and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on the show, talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This time I'm talking to Glenn Sinclair about his amazing international landscapes. Glenn from Brisbane has created a stunning portfolio of landscape images from around the world. His work encompasses the natural world in dreamy light and shade, with a strong emphasis on sharing imagery from his travels. Self-taught, Glenn's work shows a mastery of both in-field and post-processing techniques that deliver a polished and beautiful set of work. His passion for the art remains a hobby that he uses to relax and recover from his day-to-day stresses and is currently investigating setting up his own website and starting to share tutorials. We discuss how he balances his passion for travel and photography with his day job, his local haunts on the sunshine coast of Queensland, and a whole lot more. I hope you enjoy the show. G'day, Glenn. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How's your day been? Yeah, good. Busy, uh, as I guess nearly everyone's is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so why don't you uh, hit me up with the, uh, the Glenn Sinclair story to date? With photography? Yeah, sure. Well, you can tell me about it. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah, well, I think um, for me, I, I started off just, uh, even as a kid, we would go on holidays. We went, I remember one of my earlier memories, we went to the Grand Canyon in the US and just had one of those little film cameras of my dad's and took some photos and came back. And I think for a lot of us, it, it's you get that feedback and people are like, oh, wow, these looking incredible. And I think that sparked yeah. that little bit of an interest in just getting out and collecting different images and things like that, as well as a love of travel. And when I, I met my wonderful wife, she was a big, passionate traveller, someone who her, her dad had worked for Qantas and therefore travelled all around the world. And that sort of mm-hmm. spurred this bit of a, a travel bug within me. And then going to these places, even though I had a little point and shoot you, you, again, you start to get a few images and people are oh, wow, this looks incredible. And I think that drove a bit of a desire just to show it off better. You yeah, yeah. take some images on your phone or a little point and shoot. And I remember we, we did Iceland and it was in winter and I tried to take some photos as novice as it would have been way back then in the early 20s and in my early 20s and took took some photos of these northern lights and I thought they looked good. And then the person who was running the tour showed me his images afterwards that he'd taken. You go, okay, yeah, there's a, a big difference in standard. Gap, yeah. And <laughs> I think it was at that point I said, well, okay, yeah, a phone and a little point and shoot isn't going to cut it. I want to be able to take photos like that. I want to be able to see these things around the world and then be able to show them and share them to others that they can see just mm. as incredible as it was because I was absolutely blown away by these northern lights images that were taken. And I guess that then drove me to buy my my first DSLR before yep. heading out because we we booked to go to Patagonia. And I remember as a kid, I had this book, a uh, film my parents, they didn't buy me the, the greatest kids' presents, but it was this book called The Last uh, Lonely Places. And on the front cover was this photograph of Taurus Del Payne. And I had in my room, I'd see it nearly every day. And it was just one of those places where I'm like, I just want to go there. I just want to yeah, see yeah. this place. And to go there, I wanted to do it justice. So I bought a DSLR camera and made as many errors as you could imagine uh, going and first shooting over there, like not putting it in raw and some of those things you learn yep. along the way as you go. But I think, uh, again, that it just spurred that sort of travel bug and that desire to get better. 
you, you come back and you, you start to do some processing and you get down that rabbit hole then mm-hmm. of processing and you realize, oh, okay, yeah, to, to get an image to look like some of these other ones, I actually need to do something. I can't just point a camera and, and hope for the best. You, you yeah, yeah. do a bit more. So that then led, I guess, down to this idea of processing and gradually get into it. And then you jump on social media and that then opens up a whole new world and you realize, wow, there is just some amazing photographers out there that you, you never realize were there and the images. And I guess that's kind of been the, the bit of the, the process where it's trying to, I guess, get better. Each time something I love, something I enjoy, traveling and getting to then photograph these images and share them with others so they can enjoy these areas that they may not be able to get to for whatever reason. Cool. So I think that's sort of a bit of the, the journey for me. Yeah, okay. Were you entirely self-taught or did you take inspiration from other photographers in, in some form or, you know, talk, talk to me a bit about how you armed yourself with the, uh, the skills that you needed in terms of both in the field but also in processing? Yeah, I think it, it's, it's a very developmental thing. You just slowly pick up things as you go from talking to people. I think the early stages when I started the process images, I saw some images of Jimmy McIntyre and they were were just phenomenal. And so I started to look at a bit of his work because he'd done some within Torricell Payne and Porto Natales and and that where we were were going. So I looked at some of his things and he started to share it and he does many of the free, which is great. So basically just started down that rabbit hole of YouTube and watching different processing. But I think if I was looking at some of the photographers along the way I've jumped on and looked at, he was the first one I really looked at for some of that post-processing. Then there's a a guy, George Benz, and he had some more, again, free things on just YouTube and you, you picked up picked up a few things from him. Then I would say someone that was just absolutely inspirational, which I'm sure everyone would agree, Daniel Corden. Uh, some of his work and I was just uh, I guess inspired to look at how he goes about his processes and that so I picked up some of his work and I think other photographers like Ryan Dyer quite phenomenal but Mm. it's mainly been just looking at at YouTube videos Christian Hoiberg I think is if you pronounce his name so he I've signed up to his email many many years ago and he shares a lot of great tips compositionally particularly um, and then I think it's just as you see images, you go, oh, yeah, that really, that's what makes a good image. I can see how they use that light in that scene. I can see how they've composed yeah. that. And you slowly, I guess, learn a, a few things, but definitely on that continual growth of learning and picking up all I can from others. But, yeah, that would be that the process just slowly as I've gone along, just picking up little tips from different cool. photographers. And I feel each year my, my little... Christmas present to myself. I buy a different tutorial just to look at to see what, you know, if there's a photographer out there that's got a certain style or a way of photographing a scene or that particular environment and jump on and have a look at what they're doing. Cool. So what is it that you're chasing most in your photography? I think it's to be able to capture images that inspire people to get out to travel to want to see more of the world. I think that would be the ideal thing. Uh, yeah, a lot of people would say that, but if you can capture an image that can show just how grand and wonderful the world we live in and that mm-hmm. inspires anyone to get out and see that, I think that's a, 
a great goal. I think that would be my my ultimate. Because even tonight, I was um, brushing my daughter's teeth, and I've got some prints put up, and randomly she's just pointed up, and she's going, "What's that white stuff?" In that image, she's pretty little. I go, "Oh, that's snow," and she's like, "Oh, what's all that ice?" And it was a photo from Torricelle Payne, actually, just a glacier, gla- uh, that glacier grey. There's so this big jagged ice with these you know, sh- sheer peaks coming to a splendid scene. And I've got, oh, that's what we call a glacier. It's a big lot of ice. And she just went, oh, wow. And you go, oh, that's cool. Uh, that's sort of what you want. Like she was just so inspired by this landscape. And I think she's also got a bit of a, even as a young age, a, a travel bug to go out and explore. And she's a great little hiker. And I think that's part of what I, I enjoy most. And also what I'm chasing, just those times to yourself it gets you out photography it's one of those things i would not normally get up at five o'clock in you know certain parts of the world when it's freezing or whatever and go out and, and get in that that scene but you have a lot to yourself particularly in the early mornings you get to see and experience things that you wouldn't otherwise i think that's a, a great reason for photography aside from that it just gets you out in nature helps uh, refresh you a bit as well i think yeah okay so you've shot all over the world. What locations are still on your bucket list? I'd say a few. My top one would be the Pacific Northwest. I've not done that part of the US. I've done sort of yeah. the, the lower western part, you know, around Arizona, Utah, Yosemite, even Yellowstone we've gone up to in the, the Grand Tetons, um, but not Pacific Northwest. So I think that is my number one area that I'm chasing. I'd love I love Arctic scenes. I love those cold winter scenes. I think coming from Australia, it's just stark contrast to what we get here. So I think I enjoy that. So I'd love to do potentially like Greenland, go and do a shoot down sort of around Antarctica. I think shooting some of the penguins around there and those icebergs would be amazing. So that'd be my top three areas that I'd like to go photograph Pacific Northwest in summer with the, the wildflowers or even autumn with some of the full foliage, Greenland and Antarctica. Yeah, cool. Do you uh, take an approach to your photography um, that sort of leans towards recording the experience or are you sort of attempting to create art out of it? And I guess in, in your mind, which is the primary focus? Is it the, the art itself or is it the... The, the experience that you're trying to sort of recreate? Yeah, I think a, ideally a little bit of both, that you can take someone into the scene that you saw that morning that you experienced or that evening or night whenever you've gone out, but also in a way to transform that image into something that is a, a bit dreamlike, but not something that's completely unrealistic, of course, but yeah. what you did experience, but something that's has that little element to your own art, your own little flair on a particular image. So ideally, if you have an image and people go, oh, yeah, I can kind of see exactly what you saw that morning as well as being a bit, you know, in awe of some of the scenes and the environment, I think that's ideal. Yeah, okay. And are you looking to go into the field with a a concept in your mind about what it is that you've, you know, you, that you want to shoot or are you reacting to the landscape when you get there? And I guess I'm, I'm probably talking more about the stuff you might do locally as opposed to, you know, if, if you're planning to go to Patagonia, there's, you know, reasons why you're going to Patagonia to, to, to get yeah, certain yeah. shots, you know, and, and, and so forth. So I guess, you know, in terms of that 
you know, um, concept of preconception, I guess, of what you what you're trying to capture versus you know getting in the field and just going, okay, well that looks like the shot. I'm going to go for it. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of both. I think going into the field, even locally, there's certain seasons which are going to suit or certain times yep. uh, being on, on the coast up here. I would be looking at, at high tide for some shots and then for others, I'd go at low tide and others I'd need mid tide. So I'd yep. have an idea of, okay, for, for this particular shot, we've got a lot of lone mangroves. I would aim for a, a lower tide, get a bit of that sand exposed to get some nice texture. Hopefully it's not a windy morning because then that's just, difficult with the, the movement in the trees you're not getting that reflection so you go well i need a bit of a low tide morning i know if it's going to be calm that's going to suit that or there's some areas which really suit that high tide that nice bit of water going over the rocks creating that good bit of flow so i'd time it for that jacarandas i know at Mullaney, a very popular shot you've yeah. probably never seen that lone cherry tree at Mullaney before pop up on your feed but you know there's certain Once times where you, yeah, <laughs> comes up every now and then uh yeah you get that bit of fog so i'll go up there every now and then when there's that fog there just to again create that dreamy sort of scene or yeah in jacaranda bloom time go for that even there's a, probably coming up soon i'll head out around kenilworth because yep. in the autumn foliage there's this lovely stretch of road that just gets this wonderful gold so Again, if, if there's a foggy morning sometime late May and early June, you'll you'll see me there on the, the weekend standing on the road trying to get the shot. But then often it is, yeah, reacting to the, the environment where the light is good. Sometimes you might go and go, oh, I'm going to shoot here, but the, the colour's good over there or, you know, you get this nice sunburst. I was photographing up uh, near Yarala with the Goswich Chapel recently and I yep. had this idea, I wanted to, to shoot this scene, the road coming towards the chapel, but it just happened that the sun was, was not exactly coming through where I would have wanted, so I've gone rearranged to get a bit of a, a sunburst just as it's come up. Okay. And I felt that created a, a bit more. So I think I go into the field having an idea of what I'd like to shoot, but then obviously you adjust depending on where the light is good or there's sometimes I've gone and there's been this nice little bit of framing which I've not seen before and so I'll try and incorporate that into the image just to uh, I guess keep the, the focus on your, your main focal point by being able to frame the image around so certain things like that definitely have an idea of what I want to shoot but it will change depending on you know what's happening in that environment. Yeah. Do you find the images you're trying to make uh, distinctive or unique? And by that, I mean distinctive as in recognisable within a genre versus being one of the kind in a world, you know, in the world being unique, you know? What, yeah, what, are, you, what are you aiming for there? Yeah, I think when you, when you look at all the images out there, there's certainly nothing new under the sun, as they say. But for me, I feel I've got a pretty distinctive style for me. Like it's consistent in some ways. There's mm -hmm. obviously certain shots which it differs, but I certainly know some people have gone, oh, you know, when they DM you and stuff, they go, oh, you've got this particular style here. I always know that that's your image when I see it on my feed. So I think there's something that it's distinct to me, but it certainly wouldn't be different to what some other photographers are doing out there. Yeah, right. How would, how would you describe that style? I think it's more a, it would be a low contrast sort of style. I try and 
put a, a bit of extra detail in, but it certainly has that low contrast where everything sort of pushed more towards that mid-tone where you've got no real true black point that yep. sort of moved down a bit. Um, I'd like to kind of go for more, yeah, that dreamier type of feel where the the highlights are certainly not um, clipped. I'm bringing the, the whites towards mids, bringing the blacks towards that, that mid as well. I'd put a bit of colour in. I try not to obviously put the saturation slider all the way up, um, but boosting a bit more vibrance, reducing some colours and doing more local. So the saturation points where that light's hitting the rock or in certain areas of the scene rather than those global adjustments. So I think, yeah, looking after certain colours in my image, uh, I'd probably have a general idea of in certain shadows often will dodge with blues and in highlights dodging with some of those warmer colours certainly yeah. bring shadows and mids more towards the blue and the highlights in the image more towards those that warmth. So I think that's something I, I would consistently do as to make it, I, I guess, my process. Yep. Okay. So what about what about the process in the field? What are you what are you sort of starting with when you walk out into the you know the wilderness or somewhere and uh, decide, okay, this is where I'm going to plant the tripod? How do you make that decision? What are you what are you looking for? I would say initially I use a lot of my phone, to be honest. So I'll go and just uh, I'm there. I'll, I'll try and make sure I've got there well before sunset or sunrise, depending on what it is. And yep. then I often will get my phone out and just try a few different things. So I find a few areas I might see, you know, there looks to be this nice leading line or this tree which can frame nicely or even, you know, putting the phone in between two rocks just to see if it works or if it's too confined uh, yeah. the scene. So I take a lot of images like that and then I, I'd go through, have a little bit of a flick to see which ones look the best and then set up in that area. I'll often try and take some photos and this is where some of the creativity comes in which some people might not like and others yeah they might accept it i can often in my images i'll do like a time blend where i might capture the light a bit earlier where mm -hmm. i've got that nice bit of light hitting and you, you can get some of that, that good contrast with the light and then for the scene which may be a bit blown out then i'll add that later scene at the back maybe 10, 15 minutes later or earlier, depending on, you know, if we're shooting at sunset or sunrise and blend that in. So I think sometimes I'll, I'll try and take a few images of the scene in that place. And other times if I've just got, there's nothing like that, I, I often move around quite a bit. Instead of being too stationary, I'll, I'll tend to move around and wherever I'm, I'm shooting, I'll always bracket to make sure later on, depending on sometimes, to be honest, the dynamic range of cameras at the moment, particularly um, the Nikon that I have, it, it's, it works nicely, but very rarely, unless I've really got those high contrast scenes, I need to it do too much exposure blending, but certainly in some scenes, I'll make sure I've got that there. So I'm able to, if I need to, and yeah. I'll also focus that. So I'll ensure that I, I focused you know, in the foreground, sort of mid and on the back, whatever I've done. So, again, I've got all of that detail later on if I do need to pick it up. Again, depending on the scene, some scenes that you don't have too much close in front of you, I won't bother, but some of those scenes are a bit more intimate in the foreground, definitely ensuring I've, I've focus stacked. And that would probably be a bit of that, that process that I'd go through when shooting in a particular location. 
Yeah, okay. So sound, sounds like the processing side of things is uh, relatively involved. Walk, walk me through what you do when you get your uh, your shots back and, uh, you know, stick them on the computer. Are you Are you straight into it or do you just upload them, do a quick check and then leave them to, you know, sit for a while before you, you get in and do serious edits? Yeah, I think it sometimes depends often when traveling. I don't actually travel with a laptop always if I'm going mm -hmm. overseas. One of the things we've having a couple of kids is my luggage has suddenly um, been <laughs> filled instead of being able to fill with a lot of camera stuff. There's a few more books and toys yeah. than it would have otherwise been. So I find now I'm not necessarily traveling with his laptop as much as I would. If, I, if I'm at home, I'll often, if you have a, a great morning out or afternoon, I'll go and, and look at the images definitely. One thing that I need to get better at is certainly in the field, checking a bit more that detail after taking an image. I, I tend to do it, but sometimes what you quickly see when the LCD pops up isn't always as, as good as you, you might think from that little image. So that's yeah. something I certainly go back, but I'll, I'll come home, I'll download the images, I'll then refine them, I'll create what I call a keepers folder which okay. uh, I take out some of the ones which I think, you know, really worked or I preferred that. So I can then come back and then I'll, after I've gone through a set of images, I'll, I'll look and think, all right, yeah, I would really like to edit this one. I tend to do easy edits to start with. So yep. those that are a single exposure, no focus stacking, no time blending or anything like that. So I'll get in and do those ones a bit earlier and then I'll save the more complex ones for a, a bit later when I'm feeling more motivated. I yep. think just because just you can get a few images of your trip out because people are, they might have seen your story, say on Instagram, and they're like, oh, yeah, I really want to see some of those images. So put a few out anyway. And then later on, when I've got time, I'll come back to those, those other ones. Then for me, I'll find my image I upload in Lightroom to start with. I do some yep. basic things, um, correct chromatic aberration, lens correction. I'll then do white balance. That's sort of my first point. I'll go and I'll okay. do some white balance. I might do some general localize or change to exposure, dropping highlights, bringing up some shadows. Then I'll open up as a smart object in Photoshop, go through some basic ideas. I'll often look at color to start with and just, again, ensure that I've got my color where I want it to be. Yeah. So again, as I said, you know, looking at highlights, warming them up a bit, maybe cooling some of my shadows and, and mid-tones. Then I'd look at my exposure and assuming this is just a simple edit, if, if not, I would always do my exposure blending to start with or focus stacking and mm. all of that. So that's all there. I'll, I'll look at my exposure, make sure I've got it how I want, that my highlights aren't blown out, that my shadows you know, uh, aren't gone and that's uh, I'll tend to, as I've said, move everything a bit more towards my mid-tones at that stage. Then yep. I'll often try and add a bit of contrast. So I'll go through and I uh, often do a lot of the contrast just more to the mid-tones. So I'd create a mid-two layer is probably my little favourite adjustment, bring down, um, make it a, a bit darker from one end, make it a bit lighter from the other. So I add that bit of contrast in and then I'll go through, do dodging and burning. And often I'll do a bit of color dodging or depending on the scene, just general dodging. Again, color burning a little bit, darkening certain areas. We tend to do a bit more of a, a blue just so you don't get that bit of a washed out yellow. Uh, I think often in the clouds, I try and again, get that bit of contrast, do a bit of burning for the darks, do a bit of 
dodging for the lights, get that nice contrast in there. And then artistic things, I guess you could say I add Norton effect on the, the images there just to create a bit of that softer, dreamier feel. But then yeah. I'll always add that bit of extra texture and clarity in, um, particularly localised. I'll only ever add Orton, though, to the lights, for example. So mm -hmm. the darks, which shouldn't necessarily have that glow, don't have that that real glow feel, go through, remove little bits and pieces that, of the scene which don't match, and, and that's kind of a bit of the process there. Yeah, okay, cool. How do, how do you respond to, or, or um, you might not get feedback, from people that say, "Oh, that's photoshopped," or, or, or whatever. How do you how do you respond to those sorts of, um, I guess, bits of feedback that you might get that are on the negative yeah. side in, in terms of how much you've processed? Yeah, and, and I think it's a balance. And when people say that image is photoshopped, they'll go, "Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't ever hide the fact <laughs> that it's been photoshopped. It really is." And, and I think. To be honest, if someone's going, oh, you've had to Photoshop that image, they probably don't understand a little bit of the, the process when you, when you shoot in RAW. You do naturally, regardless what you're shooting, unless I think if you're, you're a sports photographer, that's probably where you're going to have to do the least amount of a little bit of recovery and stuff like that. But even then, you, you'd have to add a bit of saturation in. So regardless, I think if you're seeing generally an image online and it looks like it's got some good colour and good contrast, something's been done with yeah. that image, whether it's Lightroom, whether it's Photoshop. So I think there's there's that element. I definitely think at times, and I, I could agree with some of that feedback, you look and you go, oh, you know what, I've, I've probably pushed that a bit more than I would have liked or, or probably should have pushed that image. And I think that's a, a constant reflection. And in a way, social media is difficult for it because you can put out an image and you go, oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm more comfortable with that. I haven't pushed that too much. And mm. it doesn't get any traction. And then you go and you, you reload it, say we're, you push things a bit more and all of a sudden it gets that attention because it's grabbed the eye. Yeah, you know, you've got yeah. that bit of extra colour. But I certainly think anyway with saturation while I'm adding that increase of colour, I like to think it's not ridiculous. There's definitely more, but it's not to a point where there's colours that just do not exist on earth in my image simply because I've, I've hit the saturation to 100%. So yeah. there is that balance. But, yeah, definitely. I think you, you will get that criticism and I wouldn't hide away from the fact that I do creative things. And I think as long as you're acknowledging that, so, you know, there's a, an image I did from Mount uh, Nunu in the Glasshouse Mountains and mm -hmm. uh, specifically said, you know, yeah, the foreground, I've taken that before the actual background there. Yeah. So I've actually had to blend those over time. So it's not a, a secret that those things are, are being done. And for some people, they won't like that, and that's fine, as long as you know, I'm not there going, yeah, this was one scene that I happened yeah, to, I, to I capture. I caught all of this in camera as, and I haven't done any there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think as long as you're transparent and everyone has different levels that they're comfortable with, I think with Photoshop, and that's one yeah. of the, the challenges of people where you want to take it and where you don't, and I think that's individual preferences oh, and as part of that creative and artistic process. But, yeah, yeah you, you certainly get it, and it's something that, I don't personally mind too much because it is, I'm open and transparent that I am doing these different edits and adjustments in Photoshop or, or Lightroom. Yeah, definitely. Are you uh, doing photography full-time or is it just a hobby? And if it's just a hobby, why why is that given, you know, your obvious talents and capabilities in that regard? 
I think, yeah, at, at the moment, it would be certainly just a hobby. I'm not thinking of packing up my day job and mm -hmm. jumping into photography. It is one of those things that I think before you would leave a, a day job, you would want to have set yourself up as a business. You'd want to be knowing that you've got the income already from it. It yeah, is yeah. definitely a saturated market. It is one of those things you talk to people about photography and you say, oh, yeah, I love photography and do a bit. And nearly everyone is a photographer uh, yeah. these days out there. And I think it is hard to to crack into that market. And if you're, you're going to do it, you really need to commit. It's not one that you can kind of half put in and expect that you're going to make a complete business out of it. And, and for me, I think it's a bit of a time thing as I've started to get into my photography quite heavily it's coincided at the same time as having kids and you, you go well where's my priority going to be and uh, i like to think well they're up that is my priority apart from if there's a hundred percent high cloud then my priorities might shift a little um and go out and shoot but in that case it's more i would love to be able to do more as a business but there's a lot of things that need to happen beforehand Sure. And things that I'm hoping, to be honest, over the next year or so will be put out. Uh, I'd love to generate my own website and do those things, start to run sort of different or put put together some tutorials. A few people have asked recently on Instagram if I have any tutorials that I can do. And I've been thinking about it for a while. So to put some of those things out, mm -hmm. sharing some of those things that I've learned, being able to get into more uh, selling prints. Instagram and other social media is fantastic in that regards because you, you get reach without having to generate necessarily that website and maintain that. Oh, sure. And so you're able to, to put things like that. But yeah, I'd love to have it as something where I go into that, but I'm also cautious of photography, something I love. It's, it's something I really enjoy. And often if we try and make everything we do that we enjoy into a business, you can lose some of that enjoyment of what yeah, you appreciate. Kill, kill the joy. Yeah. yeah, definitely. If all of a sudden you're going, okay, well, this shoot, my income is dependent on me getting this shoot instead of going, I'm just enjoying the scene and being out in nature. I think it also can shift as well. So while I'd love to, I think, do a bit more and put a, a few more things out there, I don't necessarily see photography ever being something I'd love to pursue completely full time yeah. as I think it would, I don't know, it would destroy a little bit of that element of just going out and enjoying nature, going for a hike. And, you know, sometimes if you you can get a shot, that's fantastic, but nothing's depending on it. Yeah, um, right, right. <laughs> so do you see photography as a bit of an escape from uh, your day-to-day -day world or is it just something that you just do? Yeah, definitely. I think getting out in nature and, as I said, particularly early mornings where there's less people around and you're in these scenes and you're, you're all by yourself and nothing there, it's, uh, I think, a great experience and why a lot of photographers do like that and love to get into some of these remote places as you just get to experience them. So I definitely think, for me, photography, it's one of those ones where I loved, I would say initially I started off loving doing that and photography was just one of those ways that I was able to then share some of those experiences with others. Mm -hmm. Okay. When was the last time you uh, went overseas and, uh, you know, with, with shooting in mind? 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, Pre-COVID, I'd imagine. Yeah, it, it obviously is pre-COVID. I'm trying to think of my last destination I went overseas. It was New Zealand. So okay. I went over New Zealand in, in summer trying to shoot some of the, the wildflowers that get out there. The lupin, it was South Island of New Zealand. So yep. we went out and, yeah, so that was, it was a great trip. However, it was one of those trips where the weather just, it was either completely clouded or just clear skies. It wasn't that nice, happy medium yeah. where you can get a bit. So I didn't come away with as many images as I would like. Um, there was, of course, as you, it seems to be, if I go to New Zealand just to pre-warn people, it floods. So I think my last three or four New Zealand trips, it, it's flooded. So it stopped okay. us getting wow. some. And this district was no different there was again a flood so we couldn't get around and were restricted in for four or five days so probably missed out on a lot of the shots i would have liked to get but in a way that keeps you going if you just get that perfect weather every time you you, you get that shot you want you might not be driving to to chase it as much so mm, okay. has the pandemic changed your attitude towards travel in particular around photography in a way, I think what the pandemic's done for probably for a lot of us is it's made me explore more local areas. So mm -hmm. I've started to try and appreciate and think, well, what can I actually shoot around here? Previously, uh, I did little local photography, which I know sounds weird, but it was more being able to go and travel and shoot these other destinations. But obviously, during the pandemic, I've gone and I've tried to shoot a lot more local areas and I've probably gained a greater appreciation for what we have here even in Australia that would be I'd say my last obviously four or five trips have been within Australia and just uh, to photograph some of those those landscapes there I've gained a, a lot greater appreciation for what Australia has to offer landscape wise it's probably not naturally one of the big landscape destinations that comes to people's minds uh, around the world but yeah I feel it's got a lot to offer and it's probably driven a lot more of an enjoyment in seascape photography than mm -hmm. I previously had. I probably really love the mountains and, and those type of areas, but yeah. I've enjoyed getting out and doing seascapes because it's so changing and that almost drive to capture that flow, you know, that perfect wave receding mm -hmm. or coming in that motion, uh, I've really enjoyed. So it's probably changed my attitude, made me be a bit more creative with what, what I'm looking at for around my local area and gain that great appreciation of just, yeah, what is around me? and what Australia has to offer landscape-wise. So you're in Brisbane. How how would you describe that for landscape photography opportunities, I guess, or, or are you travelling further afield? Yeah, I'm, I'm northern Brisbane. So for me, I tend to, as far as things go, head more towards the Sunshine Coast, and I think that offers a lot of good opportunities. My, my favourite area to shoot would be up at Mullaney, just mm -hmm. that mountain areas of the Glasshouse Mountains, they're, they're really quite distinct in their shape. And there's a few lone trees up there. We've got, you know, you've got your cherry tree shot. You've also got that tree that kind of bends out nicely. There's a shot with the jacarandas. There's a shot which I haven't been able to, to completely pull off in the right conditions where you have this nice framing of trees almost in the shape of a love heart. So okay. I've gone a few times and just haven't been able to come away with the image that I want. So you have... A lot of those type of things up there. So I'd go there or towards the, the coast. A lot of those coastal scenes, Dolphin Rock, probably a big one I'd go to, but just haven't come away with the image I want, but that keeps driving me. Uh, Lake Waybar with the Waber tree, again, one that yeah. you would have seen if you, you follow social media, really quite nice. So I'd probably head more towards that Sunshine Coast area. Locally, 
we've got our mangroves. That's kind of the the, the main shot. There's a few nice lone mangroves, a D-Bay one, one there at Redcliffe and at Beachmere. So that yeah, would probably be my real quick, if the, the sunset's looking great, I'll jump out for the Beachmere or the Redcliffe one because they suit the sunset. Or if it's a nice sunrise, I might head to D-Bay or Nudgee and just get destroyed by sandflies um, as the, the, the play. So I think that's that's kind of the, the main areas where I would look to shoot around locally. And, the, yeah, it, when you compare to some of the world landscapes, it's yeah, shooting a mangrove isn't the same. But I think that's a challenge of it is being able to present this little mangrove, this environment, but to try and showcase it in the way that it is unique and different and reveals some sort of, I guess, dream-like image or shots the, yeah, the goal. Sure. Yeah, that's uh, and that's I think one of the one of the greatest challenges is finding something that you know many people are just pass by on a day to day basis and not really take a second look at and turn that into something that's uh, that's quite artistic. I guess, do you have a, a favourite spot that you keep returning to? Or you, you mentioned the, uh, the the love heart trees where you haven't quite nailed it. Is there anything that you, um, I, I guess, will will return to regularly? Yeah, I, I, again, I'd say Mullaney for me, where I live up that area looking at the Glasshouse Mountains is a, an area I'll go to. There's a few of the, the Glasshouse Mountains shot. There's one that Hasn't turned out too bad. I just need to probably refine it a little bit where you've got this nice road leading up to Mount Coonaroon and just trying to capture that with different environments. I've got a nice fog and mood and a nice sunset with a good light trail going through. So there's a few of those images, but it's one of those ones where you, you go, oh, I haven't quite got that. And I think when you're photographing your local area, you're a bit more selective or picky compared to where when you go and you, you go someplace and you, you're there for two or a couple of weeks, you can't pick your ideal conditions. And I think that's where then the challenge of Photoshop editing comes in, yeah. where you go, okay, I haven't got the conditions here. It's complete grayed out sky or a complete clear sky. What can I do to produce this to, to make it look a bit more you know unique or reveal something where locally, you can go, all right, yeah, uh, I've got this shot. I'm not going to post it up yet because I think I can find something that that bit better and, and suit that for that particular yeah, shot there. But, yeah, yeah so, but I definitely think Glasshouse Mountains for me where I am just 30 minutes down the road, that's probably my my go-to area. There's a yeah. couple of, of shots where I'm looking at at the moment. Milky Way, I've not done a lot of Astro images. Okay. So I want to get nice Milky Way over that lone cherry tree there at Mullaney. And there's a nice little mangrove at Golden Beach at Caloundra. And okay, it's yeah. just got this unique shape. And right now is the perfect time to line it up with the Milky Way. But I'm not sure what it's like for you down south. But at the moment, it is just wet up here. So yeah, the clear skies have not been prevalent. Yeah, um, it's, it's much the same. I, I went out. There was a, a, a promise on one of the apps this morning for... Uh, 100% high cloud and 6% low cloud. I think I got the opposite because I couldn't see the <laughs> high cloud. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's uh, always that way, went, isn't basically it? Basically went for a walk in the rain on a beach. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a, the big issue at the moment. Some of the, the conditions just haven't been as nice for us. So there's been a few. There's a nice Sydney shot I saw many people pop up the other day of um, some beautiful cloud and colour. But yeah, 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 few and far between up here recently. 
we've we've been uh, been lucky uh, a, a few times, but it, it hasn't been uh, as frequent as uh, I think everyone would like. But uh, yeah, yeah, never mind. It's it's just the way it goes. You, yeah, definitely. You gotta, Next year. <laughs> I, yeah, that's it. You got to either get creative or uh, go somewhere else. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, what's the most uh, memorable experience you've had? I'd have to say photographing the Northern Lights. That would be my most memorable. I obviously uh, did Iceland the first time and completely failed uh, with the old point and shoot as yep. if that was ever going to succeed. And we, we ended up coming back in a, another season. We went in autumn and at that stage, while the Northern Lights, they were nice. They were more just, I would almost say slight green flickering in the sky. And again, right. the, the first night in Iceland where we had some clear weather, I saw it and I started to think, yeah, that's cool. And it came up nice on the camera, but I wasn't blown away. And then the next night we went out and, yeah, it, it was proper, what you might call northern lights where you just yeah, had this yeah. incredible greens and pinks and this dazzling light over. And I was able to capture It's one of the ones that I've got on of um, Kirkjafell uh, there, that church mountain with the northern lights a little bit reflected in the, the water. It was nice and calm. And I think just, yeah, the first time seeing the, the northern lights proper, and then again, we, we got them when we were in Lofferton in winter, mm. and that was even better. It was more spectacular. Unfortunately, I was just so flustered with how good it was that I didn't come away with any great shot. Uh, <laughs> I didn't consider all the light pollution, and they just all looked a bit yellow. And, yeah, I didn't do the, the best job. So I learned a lot, though, from that time of yeah. correct shutter speeds and, and things. So next time I go over, I think I'll be able to have a – a better better crack at it but that would be my number one i think the second one would be sunrise at taurus del Payne. just seeing yeah, right. that even though i completely stuffed up the the shot again i feel early days of photography wasn't kind to me um we got there and we we'd had a lot of travel you fly to sydney you fly into santiago then we ended up catching a flight to punta arenas driving in there and i was absolutely shattered by the time we got there and that night set the alarm and the weather looked good. We hadn't been able to see the mountains. It had been raining the night before. And yeah, I think right. I just stayed up all night excited just to be able to, to shoot it. And I set the alarm for whatever it was, but did PM instead of AM. Oops. And I've woken up. And, yeah, yeah. I've woken up and the, the room was light. I look out. Oh, nice. No. So I quickly ran out and there's just incredible color. The mountains aglow. Go to set up. And for whatever reason, I'd left my camera on and the battery was flat. So I had to quickly oh, no. run back, get the spare battery, put it in. So by the time I, I got back, most of the good light was gone. I couldn't find a, a great composition. But seeing it uh, was amazing. I think those two which is the most awe-inspiring landscapes that I've, I've ever experienced. Um, and they, they want me to go back just because I, I haven't come away with the shots that certainly happy with. So I think that's a great thing of photography. You can see these things, but you, you want to go back to be able to truly do justice to it. Yeah, okay. So any any plans for the next trip? Where, where next? Yeah, a few trips we've got got booked coming up. Um, as a, a school teacher, I've got the flexibility of school holidays. Mm -hmm. Great advantage of it that uh, although you have to travel with the masses. So in June, July, uh, the winter school holidays, we're doing New South Wales. So going to go to Port Stephens, spend Lovely. a few, few yeah. nights there doing you know, Stockton, Sand Dunes, Zenith, um, Mount Tomary. Then we go into the Blue Mountains. And obvious how incredible that is for landscape yeah, right. opportunities. Then Central Coast. 
So again, chasing a few images um, from the Central Coast. That's June, July, September doing South Australia. So cool. Flinders, Kangaroo Island, and a lot of that South Australian beaches. And at the end of the year, we've got our COVID tickets, which we booked many, many years ago to go to Europe in summer. Um, mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we have to use it by the end of the year. And the right. only time we can get some decent amount of time is winter. So yeah, yeah. going over to, to Europe um, in December. So I'll do a little bit of uh, Portugal, northern Spain and Germany. So Fantastic. hopefully able to, to get a few nice images from those. So that's kind of uh, this year mapped out for a few places to go to. Nice. What do you think you've learned about the world through photography? Uh, I think traveling is just one of those ones that teaches you so much. One of the experiences was hiking in Nepal. And I think one mm -hmm. of those things, just getting to see, it, it was an amazing experience, just how simple things were compared to what we're used to. Yeah. And that yet the amount of joy and happiness and the kids there and everything was amazing. And it just kind of showed what you need to be happy isn't necessarily all the, the things that we fill our lives with and just yeah, the yeah. simplicity that they had. So I think that was one of the traveling and, and photographing that was just one of those experiences that, that taught me a lot. I think uh, I feel very fortunate being in Australia and living in Australia as a country. I know a lot of travel coming back, it is an amazing place to live, I think, Australia and, and what we have and what it, what it offers. So I think some of that, it's taught me a little bit, but also just how incredible the world is. Uh, mm -hmm. I know areas like the Dolomites and getting to hike and experience some of those mountain ranges was as another area I haven't mentioned is just was uh, absolutely stunning and another area I'd love to, to go back and, and do again sometime. Yeah, fantastic. Have you ever hit a creative wall? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it it happens more frequently than I'd like. You, you kind of get stuck on some images and you process it three or four times and you have this scene and you go, that was a stunning sunrise. Everything worked together but just can't seem to, to put it together in a, a way that really does it, it justice. So I think um, I definitely throughout I, I hit those periods where I might then try a different image and that just doesn't come off. And, and again, and you do three or four and it just doesn't work. And yeah, and often need that time just to, to step away. And even one of the things that uh, I've learned a bit and the importance of getting others feedback. And yeah, often yeah. as a photographer, we on Instagram, on social media, you don't want to ever you would never criticize someone's work. So we often do stunning image, great shot, looks amazing, but yeah. you don't get Six that. Times, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that feedback. And I think sometimes when you do, there's certain people that in hindsight, it's great. They give you this bit of feedback like, oh, I don't like the your your color choice there, or I would have removed that. You initially go, oh, oh no, but then it does teach you a lot. Because yeah. I remember one person uh, on social media they're on uh, 500px if you know that that yep. site and I, I every time yeah yeah and, and every time I, I do an image one of the great things is they'll find something they didn't like about it and oh, you're waiting okay. for it and I was almost excited because I'm like oh I wonder what's going to be this same time. person every time yeah it's the same person each time yeah okay. and that it, it was constructive it, it helped but it was you you learned so much by going oh okay yeah yeah uh, I should be doing that oh yeah I could pick that up or Oh, no, I actually don't think that myself. But finding others to learn from 
and just being able to get that feedback and Instagram is fantastic for it because there's just so many photographers chasing that same thing where you can go, hey, have a look at this image. How would you do it? What do you think? Because yeah. often you, you get an image and you think the colour looks good because you've been staring at it, but all of a sudden someone looks at it and go, oh, those yellows look like cheese or whatever it is. You know, you get that thing that it yeah. just absolutely it hits them and you haven't noticed it because you've been staring at it for, for yeah, so well, you, long. You get very deep into your processing at some points and you kind of kind of lose your way and forget forget what the objective is. Oh, definitely. So I think, yeah, uh, I've certainly hit those creative walls. And one of the, the ways is, yes, take a, take a bit of time back, but certainly to seek the feedback from others. Yeah. I think that's something where initially in my photography, whether you call it immaturity, that you, you don't like to hear negative things because you, you might be a bit more self-conscious to start with in your own work. But yeah. it's something I think I, I now value a lot more being able to get that constructive feedback and while not all the time you go yeah I, I agree with that but it's good to see how others are thinking yeah. and where they would go and you can learn a lot i think it's one of the greatest skills as a creative person that you can can have is um both receiving but also learning how to give constructive yeah, feedback um, and interestingly the more you learn about how to give constructive feedback the more you learn about how to receive it um and i think you know there's a lot of a lot of people that could probably do with uh training in that regard uh, around understanding you know how to how to give constructive feedback because yeah, you know not all, not all feedback that you get is going to be constructive and that's you know yeah. just the nature of the beast but uh yeah it is yeah, I think it's it's a really important lesson for uh, anyone that's in a in a creative field to um, to to grasp hold of because, as you say, it you know really helps you extend yourself and it helps you understand what you might be you know you might fall into habits that you know might yeah. take you down a, a a path that means that you know there's going to be either less likes or less less people buying your work and putting it on their walls, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think if you can find someone and whether you call it a mentor or whatever, but a few, you know, photographers that you, you really trust and, and you can take on their feedback and they're good at providing that feedback, I think that's really beneficial for anyone to be able to grow. Definitely, definitely. So what do you see as being the, the, the future of social media? um you know we've seen the the changes to instagram leaning more towards video uh yeah. and sort of the growth of photography within the, the the twitter space um you know news today that uh elon musk is now buying twitter so that, that'll yeah. be an interesting outcome um but uh i i guess where where do you see social media in in terms of where it's going and uh you know in relation to photography and landscape photography in particular yeah it is it's definitely interesting like i have to be honest haven't been on instagram as long as a lot of other people i think i jumped in on you know a year and a half two years ago sure. and uh, as a result i've seen even in that short time definitely this big shift towards the videos and it's that competition i guess with TikTok, where you're trying to to get on mm -hmm. that and that that has been a bit of a shift because for me I, I like my photography i don't necessarily get into as much of that videography side of things yep. and therefore I'll, i'd probably be left behind a bit in that 
instance at the moment while well, i like to chuck a, a video on a story just so people can see hey this was the morning this is what experience because i think it's always good to to go people go oh yeah that's what you saw and then that's your image yeah, and yeah. just to be able to see those, those contrasts so you, some people can see that creative element but i definitely have not jumped on the big uh, videography side of things and it's a, a definite shift and i see a lot of people now as you've said jumping onto twitter as that different space as a way of sharing that where they haven't gone down that path and i i have no understanding or idea what it used to be like where people talk about their reach on instagram and what makes your image get onto whatever you might refer to that explore page or have other people sure, sure. getting that exposure to it but from what people say i think that's all changed at the moment where there is this big push towards that videography side of things so there's that definitely change in nature. I think social media, I didn't appreciate it as much as I did initially with some of the, the important role it plays. I think it helps connect you with other photographers. And, and one thing I've loved about being on Instagram is uh, you know, recently went to Tasmania and I posted a few stories and then all of a sudden people are like, hey, where are you? Do you want to catch up and shoot? And I've got to meet many different people where uh, I go to these diff different places where I just wouldn't normally meet, even talking about end of the year going over to Germany and Spain. There's already some Spanish photographers and German photographers that are saying, yeah, when you get here, let us know. We'll catch up. We'll go for a shoot. I'll oh. show you around. So you get that nice connections with social media. I think that's a, a real great part of it. Where it ends up heading, uh, I certainly wouldn't be the most or the best person to ask. I'm not on Twitter yet, but it is definitely something that, considering because it seems like that is where people are jumping onto at the moment to be able to show their photography and that compared to instagram given the amount of people that are now seeing their feeds just completely videos and, and those type of things yeah okay do you think uh there's any particular challenges coming up for photographers that um we we need to be facing into one of the, the big shifts is the amount of tools available to edit images now than yep. what there might have been previous. Uh, I'm not someone who's jumped on Luminar. I haven't given it a go, but there's a lot of talk on that and some of the powers and AI that can be done to be creative where it yeah, takes right. away some of the, the controls. I, I even see this big presets movement where there's just, it seems like basically, I think because I, I look at a lot of photography things, the amount of ads I get even on Facebook for presets, yeah, these yeah. one-click edits. And I think that's a bit of a, a challenge because in my opinion, there's no one-click that you can do for every image because every bit of light's different, every scene's different. And also even the AI just letting some computer determine based on an algorithm of liked photos what is meant to be appealing or, or what should be done. I think that takes away again a bit of that creativity yeah. Side well, I, I don't even like hitting the auto button in uh, ACR. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even know there was an auto button in ACR. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. I'll see what it, it suggests. <laughs> well, it, it, it's on your basic panel and it, it's the same yeah, okay. as Lightroom. Um, yeah, yeah. Basically, it'll it'll adjust your exposure to what it thinks is the right exposure. It'll adjust your highlights, et cetera, et cetera. It won't adjust. Where does it put it? Where would you say it does it mostly? uh it, it tends towards a fairly i won't say very high contrast but a fairly high yep. contrast 
sort of image. Um, yeah. I know because I kind of um, expose for the, uh, the the highlights in a lot of my yeah, shooting, yeah. but um, it tends to shift the exposure in particular way higher than I ever would. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. If I was to adjust it at all, a lot of what I do is like yourself, uh, exposure blending. If I'm, you know, looking for higher dynamic range, so yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of the reasons why I don't touch the button is, is is because I don't really shoot in a style that would be suited to it. I've played yeah, around definitely. with it to see what it does and you know, so forth, but uh, I, I can honestly say I'm not a, not a fan of it. I, I like to move my sliders around myself, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely have that bit of control. Even yeah. I think sky replacement, that's one of those controversial yeah. topics where everyone's different. It takes almost a bit of the joy out of uh, capturing that scene and coming back to it if, you know, you can just drop something in whenever you, you want. But, again, it's everyone's preference. But I think there's some of the challenges with the new technologies that come out and mm. these one-click edits. Um, but. Yeah, I, I, I'm... I'm Definitely not a fan of the uh, the AI leaving it to the computer to decide. Now, I know that yeah. there are some people that uh, are happy with that, and you know they're they're more than happy yeah, to, yeah. you know, just push a button and have it all come out the other end. But as you said, I I, I think the light in every scene is going to be subtly different. You know, even just using the same settings. Uh, you know, in a sunrise shoot, for example, the light changes so quickly that even if I don't change the settings of the camera, I'm going to get different exposure values each time I, I shoot over a, say, a 5, 10, 15-minute period. And yeah, so, therefore, I can't see that preset X or Y is really going to, you know, make it better when I... I know that I've got things that I can control, and I know I know what I'm, you know, shooting for and and doing to uh, to try and adjust it. You know, so yeah, I I, I got to agree. I'm not not a big fan of those uh, those automated ways of doing things. But you know, maybe I'm an an old school guy. But <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you uh, think is your favourite thing about being a photographer? I think probably my favourite thing of being a photographer is it gets me out. Uh, it just it puts me in these scenes where I wouldn't otherwise go and see, and it's I guess fuel that passion for travel and experiencing new places. Yep. And there's there's nothing like getting out in the scene. I even remember you know recently we went to Tasmania, and I shot at Horseshoe Falls one morning. I was really pretty happy with the images uh, I got. It was it was nice. And the next morning I'm like, do I don't I go? And I ended up just going, all right, I'm, I'm here, I'm going to go, I get in the field. And for me, I've never seen a platypus and I chase platypus so often. I've gone to those places which are like, hey, this is a guaranteed platypus and you'll get there and you'll go, everyone goes, oh, wow, did you see that? It's amazing. Oh, cool, I'm going to see it. And then it just goes. Uh, so I've always missed it. But that particular morning, all of a sudden, I noticed this little platypus walking out and then it starts playing in the waterfall and it nice. stayed there for a good couple of minutes. Uh, and that was just an amazing thing, which if I wasn't photographing, I wouldn't have gone out at all. It wouldn't have you know, been anything on my radar, but I got to have this experience, which I never would have if it wasn't for photography yeah, and getting out. Yeah. Very cool. What's your least favourite thing about being a photographer? Early mornings. Uh, <laughs> definitely. I hear that uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. 
just actually uh, getting up. And I think, yeah, when you're, you're traveling, particularly in some parts of the world where the sun sets really late and gets up really early and you're going, oh, yeah, I can live off three hours of sleep for the next month, um, you know, just getting out. So I think, yeah, getting up early is one of the, the hardest things. I think the other thing I, I don't like about being a photographer is some of the, the costs of getting the equipment. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've just yeah. got a, a Nikon D810, so it's starting to certainly age and looking at mirrorless cameras. And I thought, oh, yeah, I have a bit of a look what they were and saw some of the price tags. I thought, oh, yeah, um, D810 is pretty good, actually. Yeah, uh, well, I think uh, I'll stick, stick with it for a bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit the same. I'm uh, I'm I'm still hanging on to my 6D Mark II, and uh, it'll, yep. it'll do me for a little bit longer. But yeah, uh, definitely until I mind, break mind it. you, I have uh, I've, I've almost uh, almost killed it a few times, and it, it was then that I started looking around, and you know, I, I do have my eye on the the R5. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hard question, isn't it? The ADR5, some of the new Nikon mirrorless or the Sony, which is probably yeah. a bit of the, the leader. Uh, I've, I've got a lot of Canon glass that cost me a lot, so I don't want to chuck that exactly. away when I can use a $200 adapter to, to, to use it. So. Yeah, uh, definitely. But, no, I yeah. agree. I think uh, I've tried to kill my camera yeah. several times and, and somehow it just keeps surviving. So we'll keep Absolutely. going with it while it can. <laughs> <laughs> What tips would you have for somebody that's just starting out and uh, you know looking to get into landscape photography? I think one of the first things I'd say is buy a tripod. Often mm. when you, you you can go to these sunsets and sunrises, there's a lot of people. And while I think a tripod can limit you, and there's sometimes it's great to not have a tripod, I definitely think to be able to capture some of the scenes and the light, which is particularly good, which I guess would flow into the, the second tip, which is shooting during that golden hour. Yeah. of light instead of that real high contrast middle of the day type of light but being able to have that tripod just means that you're able to set up your scene you can ensure that you've got that good focus you're able to have those longer exposures to capture yeah. that light and that bit of movement say you want a, a waterfall or that shutter speed that you need for some of that surf photography and i see a lot of the new cameras that are quite great in their handheld ability and that's come a long way Definitely. but i think one i'd say yeah get a a tripod just so you can capture some of those things Two, shoot more within that golden hour period where you've got that nice even light and three actually take post processing serious uh, i think that's one of those things which when, when I first started out, I was just like, oh, I don't want to have to process an image. I just want to be able to take it and capture it. But I think you should to use be able to, yeah, could, yeah, yeah, don't you, that fourth tip, let's add a fourth and don't use one click presets uh, as, a, as another tip. But um, definitely, I think just spending that time to, to learn that post processing so you can actually start to get your images looking how you want to want them to look. And if you're shooting in raw, which add, add tip number five in there, you're able to then bring back some of that that color that mm. might be be lacking. So I think some of those tips just starting out would be what I give. Fantastic. What do you like to do when you're not out shooting? I'd say spend time with family. Yeah, yeah definitely. That would be the big thing. I, I think it, it's great being it being a dad and having those young kids and growing up and particularly that young age where they actually love you and want you is a, a nice feeling until <laughs> they, they come back to that but it, huh? it does, they do come back to that but it takes <laughs> a few years. 
<laughs> that's funny yeah so i think yeah i, I enjoy that um watching too much bluey uh for all those people who are also <laughs> parents out there but just getting to the, the spend time with them being, being in nature even not photographing yeah. uh, just getting out hiking i enjoy even if I, I don't have a camera there but that would be some of the the big things and probably spend way too much time travel planning as the <laughs> the hobby to uh, to get to the next next destination fair enough fair enough so are there any photographers out there you think I uh, should be talking to on the podcast? For Australian photographers? It doesn't matter, but, you know, whoever you think. Yeah, I think there's a lot of really great Australian photographers that I've been, I think given the fact that I've been shooting a lot more within Australia, I've been looking for a lot of them. I guess putting in different categories, I think some of the more extreme shots, and I love seeing where he goes, Matt Finn. Yep. just where he's able to to access and his ability to chase a waterfall in good flow is unreal so i would really yeah i think he's got some unreal stories he could tell yeah. um, I, I, I like him for his ability to survive some of what he does i don't know yeah yeah I, I, <laughs> i'm getting nervous every time i, I feel oh, no, i'm a little bit of heights yeah, my, phobia coming in when i see some of his his shots my, my backside tightens every time i, I, I see <laughs> a real or a uh a story come up from matt <laughs> oh definitely uh i think chungi photos i've just got his instagram handle there but yep. his his work is outstanding and i think the effort he goes to uh, uh so hisu chung i think is his name there yeah. he, his his effort is incredible where he can just stay out all night and he'll capture the scene at sunset do the star trails capture that sunrise so you've got light hitting both sides of this peak with this star trail and that that's it's second to none i think that's absolutely incredible totally uh, i would say johnny james i love the way he processes his image johnny james okay. and, yep. and jeff laparo or laparo however you say that yeah, and yeah. someone i probably contact a lot because i really value their opinion in editing is brett wood Okay. He's, yep. he's really good at creating quite a, a natural looking scene, you know, nice bit of colour, uh, stays a bit more true to what the scene is. So I think some of those, it's hard to say because there's so many, but on the spot, I think those ones yeah, come no, to that's mind. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, I've got one more question and for a lot of people in uh, not only photography, but particularly in the landscape photography community, it's one of the most important issues. Do you like pineapple on pizza? Have to have pineapple on pizza. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think pineapple on pizza makes it a big pineapple on wine pizza. Wine all the way. Huh? A a wine, wine, yeah, a wine, yeah, definitely. I'm unfortunately a celiac, so gluten and dairy intolerant. So my, my pizzas aren't as tasty as they used to be. Um, but yeah, I'll make sure I put pineapple on it to, to set it off. Uh, fantastic. Oh, it's been uh, absolutely marvellous catching up with you, uh, Glenn um where can people find your work uh instagram is probably the the one i'm most active on so glenn sinclair underscore photography on instagram i i do still sometimes maintain a, a bit of the work on some of the other social media sites like Flickr. um that's yeah. might seem like an ancient word but apparently yeah it's still around and, and 500px yeah. I, I still have some of those things because I, I one thing i enjoy about them is you've got that landscape shots and I tend to shoot that more three yeah, to two yeah. in that landscape where Instagram suits more of that 
um, portrait sort of style. So I think, yeah, if you want more of that, that landscape work on there and eventually coming soon, hopefully when I get some time, a website, <laughs> no worries. that's the goal. I'll, uh, I'll put some links in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks for that. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks again, Glenn. Oh, great. Great chatting with you. Enjoy that. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm -hmm.